Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. I'm going to ask the church out of respect for God's word to stand and I'm going to ask you to follow along with uh, in reading with Pastor Christian. I will read one verse and then you will follow along with him. We are in Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read the first 11 verses. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage. And on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of them ahead. Verse 2. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. Verse 4. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on the donkey of a colt. Verse 6. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Verse 8. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heavens. Verse 10. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, It is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Let's pray. Lord, and I ask today that the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight. And as the prophet Samuel prayed long ago, we pray right now, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Well, as you already know, today is Palm Sunday. This is what we call Holy Week. If you're newer to the faith, you hear this word Palm Sunday and you may be like, what is that? Well, we just read about it. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. You need to know that the procession that Jesus was engaged with was actually not uh, uncommon. It happened all the time in that day and age when there was somebody that they would give homage to, when somebody was going to be the leader, when somebody was going to be the deliverer, there was always this kind of a parade and Jesus was that individual that they were hoping for and thus they threw out the palms, they put them on the ground, they waved them, etc., etc. And we thus in our Christian calendar call this Palm Sunday, which is the beginning of what we call Holy Week or Passion Week, however you want to um, name it. But let me just say this before we jump into today's message. It's been my prayer for you and for those of you online is that this week would be a little bit different than any other week. That we would actually, as I talked about two weeks ago, we would actually be a people that prepare. We prepare in such a way that we don't just flippantly go through the most important hit, um, week in the history of the world. Anybody agree with me? The most important week in the history of the world. We will um, acknowledge Good Friday and we invite everybody to be here at 7 p.m. this Friday and we will look and commemorate the death of Christ on that cross. And the reason why we do that, simply not because of his sacrifice, but we do that for in that moment we will see the full extent of the love of God. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It shows the extent. If you've ever doubted his love, coming here on Good Friday that we take a moment to say thank you, to acknowledge and see what Jesus did for each and every one of us is so critical. And then obviously next Sunday, we are going to celebrate, as Pastor Brant said, the resurrection of Jesus like nobody's ever celebrated before. And if you want to be a part of such a celebration, I would say to you, invite your family, your friends, your mates. I have no doubt that the Spirit of God will not only be here, but we will be able to see him move powerfully in this place. Anybody believe that? Can you say amen? amen. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. How many of us in our lives, maybe it's right now in your life, that you are living out unmet expectations? We've all been there, have we not? Some of you are there right now. You have this expectation maybe in your marriage and 
it's not turning out the way you thought it was and you've got unmet expectations. Maybe that, uh, that unmet expectation is with your children. Maybe you've got adult prodigal children. Maybe you've got kids that are struggling. Maybe you have broken relationships. Unmet expectations. Maybe it's in your profession and in your career. Maybe it's your life in general. You look at your life on this Sunday and you kind of take an a, a, a inventory of, of everything and you kind of go, wait a minute, I never expected this. I never expected I would be here. I never expected that I'd be going through all of this. Let me say to you today that living continuously in a life of unmet expectations is dangerous. It's very, very, very dangerous. And I want you to understand that here's Jesus that we read about. It's been three and a half years with his closest people, 24-7, to put that in perspective. I don't, I'm not with my wife 24-7. And if we were together 24-7 after 30 years of marriage, I would learn some things about her. So think about Jesus. Here's three and a half years with his disciples and their families. And after three and a half years, it's all now happening this final week into Jerusalem. The Passover, where there's over a million people there. And it's the moment in which all of it comes together. And God knew exactly what he was doing. And they still did not get it. They still didn't get it after three and a half years. They had unmet expectations. And what we see happening in this parade is simply this. Uh, The translation didn't do justice to it, but most translations uses the word Hosanna. And we all know that as he came marching in, they had their expectations. And Hosanna literally, its meaning actually declares what their expectation was. Hosanna literally means saves now. Say, they believed that Jesus was gonna not only save them, he was gonna save them now, he was gonna save them physically, they were gonna have the great kingdom. Unmet expectation. He's supposed to be coming in on a white horse, victorious in a military sense, and he comes in on a donkey. Something's going upside down with all of this. And these same people, you need to understand, that declared Hosanna on Sunday, a few days later, cried out, crucify him. How quickly can they switch? I am convinced that what put Jesus on the cross was unmet expectations. How about you and how about me? We do the same thing, don't we? We may not be saying Hosanna, we may not be crying crucify him, But we all know that if you have any uh, type of acknowledgement of God, what you're doing over and over again is expecting him to do certain things. And if he's not doing that, all of a sudden you're kind of dealing with it. We've all been there. Anybody with me? Been there and understand. I didn't ask for this, but here is what I want you to understand in this message. And this is for those of you online, as well as those in this place. And that is this. If we don't deal with our unmet expectations, it will bring forth disappointment with God, disillusionment with God, and for some of us walking away from God. And I'm calling it out right here and right now. There are those in this sanctuary and those of you online, you are one of those descriptions. Some of you are so disappointed with God because he's not met your expectation. Some of you are disillusioned with God like I don't understand And some of you literally are either have walked away or you are in the process of walking away from him because he's not doing it the way you expected him to do it. We've all been there, have we not? It's just how far we go with it that's going to impact our lives. And I here want you to realize as we look at this, I just wanna give you three, three expectations that were unrealistic that we have. There could be lots of them, but I just wanna give you three this morning that I believe that many of us live with and we gotta deal with. The first unrealistic expectation of Jesus that we have is this, expecting my way to win. Expecting my way to win. Would you repeat after me, somebody say, your will be done. One more time, your will be done. Now let's be honest, if we're truly honest, we all think our way is best. Yes or no, church? We think our way is always the best. I know I do. And we always want to win. Dangerous. If you're thinking that's the way it's supposed to be, that all of a sudden that I'm supposed to, my way's supposed to always win. I'll be, I'll be frank with you. When I was a little bit younger and my wife and I began a pioneer work in the Islamic world with a team, there was a lot of struggles. And in all of that, 
all of a sudden there was this uh, creatively difficult moment where some of the team members uh, decided that I was no longer the team leader. And I was trying to respond in the middle of all of that stress and I was kind of pushing the envelope saying to them that I have to win. My way wins because I'm the leader and I'm doing it for God anyways, so I deserve to win. It almost not only destroyed me, not only almost destroyed my wife, it almost destroyed the entire mission as we understood it. Because I believe that if I sacrifice and I do everything, my way wins. It's a dangerous player to go, isn't it? Your will be done, not mine. The disciples were there too, were they not? Uh, you remember in Luke chapter nine, here the, here they, their motives are made known. Like, hey, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. And we're sacrifices and we're doing all this stuff and we're doing where you say to go, we go. When you're saying to serve, we serve, we do all this. But here's what we really wanna know. Who's gonna be the greatest? Who's gonna win? Seriously, look at it. Who's gonna win? That was their expectation. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. It's not about winning. It's about following me. It doesn't stop there. You can go, I believe, in uh, Mark chapter 10, and then you have uh, John and you have uh, James, and they pull Jesus off and they go, hey, Jesus. They, they kind of do the lobbying bit. Hey, Jesus, ah, when your kingdom comes, can we sit at the right and the left? Come on, Jesus. And then it ticked off all the other peeps, and they're like, what are you doing? And if the disciples were all about expectation that their way wins, how much more are we doing exactly the same thing with God? And if we do that, it's what I already said. First thing you're gonna find out is your way will not always win. And when that occurs, disappointment with God will be birthed. Disillusionment with God will be evident and a temptation to walk away from God will always be there. How do you respond when you do not win with your life? The disciples learned quickly winning wasn't what they thought, right? If we're really honest, they were humbled, they were persecuted, and they were killed. You still wanna follow Jesus? Mark chapter 14 tells us clearly, Jesus said, and he demonstrated to us, this is what winning's all about. He's in the, he, and we'll look at it in this Passion Week, he's in the garden and he's like, Lord, Father, if it's possible to take this cup from me, please do it. But what did I ask you to repeat? But not my will, your will be done. That's what he declares to them, right? Your will be done. And he, he demonstrated to us the act of winning is actually pleasing the Father, not getting my way. Now let me just call it out. I apologize on behalf of the Capital C Church in America. We have preached something completely contrary. We've actually set you up. We have set you up for years. We've given you all the full formulas and all the how-tos and said to you that if you do all of this, you for sure will win. And many of you followed in suit because you follow what people, uh, laws and rules tell you to do. And, and all of a sudden you become disillusioned because you didn't win and you're like, well, what's up with all of that? I apologize, because that's not the gospel according to Jesus. You wanna know the gospel according to Jesus? Well, I'm gonna tell you whether you want to or not. He said to us in Matthew chapter 24, verse nine, if you wanna win, you gotta follow my example. I'm paraphrasing. My example is pretty simple. Uh, they persecuted me, they're gonna persecute you. They hate me, they're gonna hate you. They're gonna kill me, and some of you they're going to kill. That's the gospel according to Jesus. And over the next year, what you're gonna hear, I've been diving into this, what I believe is critical for the American church. I believe the churches around the world get it. We don't and it's a theology of persecution. We simply don't know it, we don't want anything to do it, we've lived in a bubble by faith, and I'm here to declare to you, we've gotta prepare the church now in order for the church to stand when things get tough. Can I get an amen? I will declare to you that the church was birthed. You can look at it historically, you can look at it biblically. The church was birthed at the blood of the martyrs. And that's how the church was birthed, whether you believe it or not, that's the reality. And it grew, it was birthed by the blood of the martyr, but it grew out of something that they modeled from Jesus himself, which we will acknowledge on Friday. And what did he model? They beat him, they scourged him, they messed him up. He was a man with no sin. 
And there he was in the middle and had all the power and all authority. And he had the ability to say enough is enough. And on the cross, what did he do? He did not retaliate. What did he say? Father, forgive them. The most powerful tool on the planet. And the early church started to practice that. When their sons and their daughters and their grandkids and their moms and their dads were put down and died for their faith, the church continued to extend this thing called forgiveness. And it brought down and it spread in a way that the church is, was able to reach billions of people. That's just a touch of the pers- uh, theology of persecution. So you may think, well, what does this have to do with winning? It's trying to give you a perspective. If you have an unmet expectation of what winning is, you will win. Good news, right? You will win. Paul even tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, or chapter 4, I should say, you may feel perplexed, you may feel crushed, you may feel you're down and out, but I'm here to tell you the opposite is true, that I will be there exactly the moment that you need it. You won't always win, but you will win always when you follow the will of the Father. Can I get an amen, church? The key point is simply this. We win, but not how we expect it. We win with his presence, his purpose, and his promise. That's a good sermon right there. His presence, his purpose, and his promise. His presence with us. I am with you till the very end of the age. His purpose, let's go all out and make disciples of all nations. And his promise is that you can do it. I've given you a spirit of courage. You can do it. If we don't understand this morning that the reality is we will not always win as we think, we will have unmet expectations, which will then lead us to disillusionment with God, disappointment with God, and possibly walking away from God. Anybody been there? The second unrealistic expectation is this, expecting to live life free from from pain and suffering. Expecting to live life free from pain and suffering. Somebody repeat again, your will be done. One more time, your will be done. We already know it's simply not possible to live without pain and suffering. You need to understand that Jesus said, the sun rises on the good and the evil. He said that it rains on the good and the evil. So it happens to everybody. And here's, it's all summed up this way. Jesus came in and they declared, Hosanna saves now. He brought what? A spiritual kingdom that frees you and I from the inside out, changes us and allows every single one of us to actually be the person that God always intended for us to be. That we can have this relationship with the Father. That was the spiritual kingdom. And it's for all of us. Is that not good news? It's for every single one of us. But we still have this thing called the physical kingdom. And in the physical kingdom, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, the God of this age. You all know who that is? Anybody know who the God of this age is according to Scripture? It is Satan himself, right? And we know his description is very clear. He's the father of all lies, right? He speaks his native tongue. Uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says he acts like a lion going around the earth looking for someone to what? devour, we know that it clearly says to us in uh, scripture that in John 10, he came to kill, steal, and destroy. Let's just look at the steal for a moment. There are too many of us sitting in this room and too many people looking online that we have believed the lies. He continues to steal from each of us. Ongoing, he's stealing from you. Your courage has been stolen and now you are fearful. Your hope has been stolen, and now you are hopeless. Your joy has been stolen, and now you are joyless. And we walk around with our hands tied behind our backs, or our hands tied this way. And I make a declaration to you today. It's time to say, in the name of Jesus, those chains must be broken, and we say, enough is enough. No more stealing happening here. No more stealing happening here, right? And so we live in this dichotomy where we are free spiritually, but we have this thing called pain and suffering. Let's call it out for what it is, that life is brutal and unfair, and there's not one of us that are exempt from it. Every time as a staff we get a news of something horrific, either around the world or even in our own community, I always remind us that is why we still have a cross That's why we have Jesus. That's why we gather in community. 
to encourage one another in the midst of the brutality of life. Life has this dulling effect, does it not? And it beats us down and you can see the hope start to leave people's eyes, the, 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 the excitement about life as they get beaten down. But I believe that it is possible regardless of your age that you can continue to live even more excitable, even more passionate, even more expecting if you connect to the Father. Can I get an amen? I believe that's for every single one of us in the church of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that we feel and experience pain and suffering simply because we live in a world that has fallen, controlled by the enemy. And we all know if you're newer to the church that scripture declares, I think it's Galatians 6, 8, that we, we, we really uh, reap what we sow. In other words, we make choices, we're free. That freedom goes all the way back to Genesis 3 when we walked away from God. And as a result of walking away from God, we see the consequences all around us. And it breaks our heart with what we're experiencing. And he's saying to us today, he's saying to you today, yes, don't expect that you will not have pain or suffering. Again, I go back to the church. We've told you that you won't be, you won't face pain. All you gotta do is have enough faith. And if you have enough faith and you will be truly a victor, that is a slap in the face to every brother and sister around the world that are being tortured and killed right now. 70 million to 90 million since the day of the church who have lost their life simply because of calling on the name of Jesus. You with me? We realize today that God is able and we understand what does he say to us as we understand this pain and suffering. He says to you, I'm gonna be with you to the very end, to the very end of the age. I will not leave you. I don't know that you heard that. I'm gonna be with you to the very end of the age, Matthew chapter 28. I will not leave you. You are not alone. I am with you. And he also says to you today, that you need to understand that if I'm for you, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing can be against you. That's what he says from the truth. Don't let it be stolen from you. And he declares to us today that you can. Hear me out, church. You can. You say, well, that's for this person on my right or this person on my left. No, this is for the person in the center. This is for you. If you have faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you will go through the fire. We will go through the pain and suffering. But in the middle of the pain and suffering, you will see the glory of God. You will see the power of God. You will see the church rise up. I've said over and over again, it doesn't matter how bad and how difficult it will get on our, in our planet and here in this country. It will be the church's greatest hour. I believe that with everything I've got. Don't listen to the clippings, don't listen to the news. Go to God's word and come together. That's why we're in the middle of a series called Why the Church? Because we believe that God has chosen a church because you are the church. Can I get an amen? amen? You see, Jesus told us about how this happens, that truth I just said to you. It happens in Matthew chapter seven on the Sermon on the Mount. He's like, you have to make the choice. Uh, where are you building your foundation? Again, going back, we said your foundation is just, just build it on this when it's sunny out on the sand. And you build your house on it, but he didn't say if the storm comes, he says when the storms come. And if you build on the sand, you're gonna know who you are. And here's the one thing I found out in my own life after so many years of serving him. Anybody else get this? I found out how really weak I am. I was more confident than I thought. Anybody else been in those situations? And I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. Like on my knees, oh God, have mercy on me. I am so weak. I'm reminded of Jeremiah 17, nine, where he says, my heart is deceptive above all things who can trust it. I can no longer trust me. I only trust him. Can I get an amen? And he's saying to us, you need to decide. What are you gonna build your house on? Your life on? On the sand? It's easy. That's the easy one. That's the, that's the Santa Claus Christianity. That's the feel good Christianity. That's the one that sets you up for a, a fall every single time. But he says, build your house on the rock. And when you're on the rock, guess what happens? It doesn't matter what storm comes. And you may, your emotions may go a little bit right. Your emotions may go a little bit left. You may start doubting. You may start having all these emotions. Guess where you're anchored right there. I mean, so you could be all over the place, but guess where you still are? You're right there with him because you built your house on the, on the rock. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and remember, and here's what you need to realize. When my wife and I lived in the Islamic world during 9-11, it was a pretty touch and go situation for us. And in that, those moments, 
the United States ambassador would tell me to rotate my routes, not knowing who the bad guys were, and I was kind of well-known in the country for all that we had done and been on television, that as I would make my routes around, he would say, you need to go this way today or that way because our intel says this, that, and the rest. And people would say to me, well, wait a minute, during that, uh, were you starting doubting God? Did you want to run God, uh, run from God or run from the mission? And my point for bringing that out to you is this, is that I'm just like everybody else. I don't like pain. I don't want suffering. I don't enjoy any of that. But I'd already made a decision before 9-11 happened, before I, when we went to move there, I never knew 9-11 was going to occur. And so before any of that happens, the suffering and the struggle and all of that, I'd already decided that my foundation was the rock. So that when it did occur, he gave me exactly what I needed in the moment. It was no longer me that was living the life. It was him that was living his life through me. And so often for many of us, we do what I call 911. We call out to God in the middle of the crisis. And it isn't that God won't come through. But you can't always be up and down and like a roller coaster with God. When it's all good and fine, you say, yay God, but you go live your own life. And then when you're in the middle of the crisis and you crawl out to God and say, God, deliver me and now I will serve you the rest of my days. It doesn't work that way. That's building your house on the sand. Build your house on the rock today so that when pain and suffering comes, you will have the strength to be what God wants you to be in the middle of it. And that's good preaching whether you like to hear it or not. The key point is this, pain is real. But Jesus has provided the answer to suffering that we experience, amen? Unmet expectations. I shouldn't have pain and suffering. And if you've bought into that bill of goods, you will become disillusioned with God, disappointed with God, and possibly walking away from your faith. Let me give you the last one. That is this, the unrealistic expectation of Jesus. Expecting that relationships will be without conflict. Expecting that relationships will be without conflict. Can you again say, your will be done? One more time, your will be done. Let me bring you back to Jesus. Jesus says, I'm bringing a sword. And houses will be divided in the last days. Houses, you read it. Brother against brother. Mother against daughter. We're seeing it happening right today, right? What does he mean by all that? What he means is simply this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you truly are gonna live out the gospel of Jesus, it's not going to be accepted by the world around you. And we're seeing that at epic levels today quickly than we can even begin to blink our eyes right now. The lines are being drawn, and when you live out the truth, there's going to be conflict around you as a result of being light in the midst of darkness. First John clearly declares, what does light and darkness have in fellowship with one another? Nothing, absolutely nothing. You will shine like the stars in the universe. You will shine like the city on the hill. All of those things are the realities that we need to understand that we will have conflict simply because we live out Jesus. Can I get an amen? Now let me give you a second quick analogy to all this is this. We also, James tells us, we have conflict amongst one another. And the reason why we have conflict against one another, James says, you, you quarrel and you fight because of the battle that battles inside of you. You got issues inside of you and that starts to re, uh, show itself in other relationships all the time. Let me ask you to do a little inventory of your life right now. If you think through the last six months, are you in continual conflict with family members? Are you in continual conflict with other Christians, et cetera, et cetera? If you are in continual conflict, ongoing, you've gotta have self-awareness through the power of the Spirit to know that maybe it's not just them. Maybe the reality is that I gotta stop playing the victim and realize that it's the battle that's inside of me and I've gotta get that right because all I'm doing is I'm bringing that to the next situation and the next situation and the next situation. But it's not until I get peace inward that I'm ever gonna be able to live at peace with anybody else. Does this make sense to anybody? We gotta stop. Victims never know that they're a victim. It's everybody else's issue. You ever been around that kind of individual? It's either the circumstance or it's the individual. I've, for some reason, in my own life, I've always been, the buck stops with me. If there's something happened, I need to get on my prayer closet, get on my knees and say, Lord, what do you wanna teach me? What's happening with me? That's a lot harder to do than easy to blame everybody else. But conflicts 
are all over the place. We know that those conflicts come because of a broken relationship with the Father. That's what Passion Week is all about, right? That's what Jesus did. He, he, he bridged the gap. John 3.16 is our hope, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let me just call it out right now. Right here, right now. Online. Maybe you don't know him as Lord and Savior. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you have religion. Maybe you have tradition. Maybe you have intellectual assent that will not get you into heaven. Jesus even said, broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. And narrow is the road that leads eternal life and only a few find it. That's the truth. That's Jesus' words, not mine. And he's saying to us today, it's as simple as this. When you look at Passion Week, I wanna give you eternal life. I wanna give you hope. I wanna give you peace. I wanna restore you. I wanna heal you. But you need to come and say, I believe in you. I confess my sin and I want a relationship with you today. That makes all the difference in the world. Can I get an amen? A new order has been set and he's calling us out. And when you say that, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says what? We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. And here's what I would say to you lastly about conflict is that we still have conflict in the church. What, why is that so? Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one as he and the Father are one, right? The beautiful thing about being a church of the nations and for the nations is that we mystify the world by like, how can all these people come together with all of their differences? We can say it's because of Jesus, right? It's because of Jesus, because in our own flesh, we're all gonna say our way is the only way. We're always gonna win, wanna win, etc. But I'm here to declare to you today that we must humbly begin to approach the Father and then with one another. It'll make all the difference in the world. I would even say, last illustration I'll give you today is I, as I open up my life is that I give all due credit to my wife in the front row. I had unmet expectations early on. We've been married nearly 30 years. And my unmet expectations with her caused a lot of challenges in me. But those unmet expectations that I had from her were unrealistic expectations. That I demanded this list from her. And because of her perseverance, her grit, her mercy, her patience, her love, and her strength to call me out, we were able to work through that. I would have destroyed um, lots of people. But because of her life, we were able to figure this out and realize, wait a minute, I gotta stop imposing on her what I think she needs to be in Jesus. She needs to walk her walk with Jesus. I walk my walk with Jesus. We come together as one and grow in Jesus. This makes sense to anybody? So if we believe the unrealistic expectation that if we come to Jesus, all of a sudden we won't have conflict, some of you avoid conflict like the plague. You do. Let me just say something. We're actually gonna do a series on conflict this year. Sounds like a good thing to do, right? But let me just say this. It is actually worse to avoid it than to deal with it. Everybody thinks because of my, whatever you wanna call my personality, whatever that is, that I would have lots and lots of conflict. The opposite is actually true because I'm one that wants to deal with it immediately, biblically, in love and restoration and in humility. Does that make sense? Doesn't mean it's fun, but it moves us to the right direction. But if you run from conflict after conflict after conflict, it stays with you. It's with you all the time. It's with you when you go to sleep. It sits you in the middle of one of your favorite moments and you're having a great time and all of a sudden, boom, there it pops in your head again. And not until you deal with it can you can ever be free from it. And if you have these unmet expectations, and why did I bring this message on Palm Sunday? I bring this message because unmet expectations took Jesus to the cross unmet expectations, and I just gave you three, there couldn't be many, unmet expectations move us towards disappointment with God, disillusionment with God, and for some of us, actually walking away from God. And I know in this room, I have prayed, many of you have prayed for this moment. It will take incredible humility for you to respond. That's a pretty bold statement to say, I'm disappointed with God. I never expected to be where I am right now. And I'm struggling. God, can you help me with my unmet expectations? Can you help me with my, where I'm at right now? I believe that he wants to do that right now for you. You're disillusioned with God. One of the things we all know clearly, if we ever share the gospel with people around the world, what's the number one reason besides hypocrisy why people say they don't want anything to do with God or Jesus? 
pain and suffering. Yes or no? Pain or suffering. And you may be in the middle of it. And I want you to know that it's in the middle of that. Number one, let me say to you, that pain and suffering have a beginning and it has an end. It will not be unending. That's good news, right? And the second thing is to know is that God wants to do something through it. He's more glorified as we walk through the fire than when everything is hunky-dory, praise the Lord, hallelujah, sing kumbaya. You with me? I don't like going through it, but I get a better view of who God is. I understand him fuller. I'm more intimate with him as a result. And as Brant plays this morning, here's what I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something really, really bold. I'm gonna call those of you online to engage the people online if you have disappointment with God, disillusionment with God, or you've been walking, or you're either walked away or you've been thinking about walking away from God. And you don't even know why you're watching online. I know why you are, because <laughs> the Holy Spirit's brought you there. But for the rest of you in the room, there's people that can hear my voice. And although our situations are drastically different, our narratives are different and everything else. Here's what I want you to do. If that, what I just described to you is your life right now, I wanna pray with you. I don't know if it's one person or if it's 10 or if it's 300, but I want you in a moment to come down here and I wanna pray healing upon you, deliverance upon you, that you could be the man or woman that God wants you, the son or daughter. Enough is enough. You with me? All right, as Brant plays, I'm gonna ask the church to stand. Would you stand with me? Lord, this is your moment, and I'm asking right now that you would hear our cry. I don't know who this is for. Many people will just walk out right now, I get that. But for the individual that you're speaking to right now, I pray you give them the boldness to take the step forward to get the healing that they need. So either in the balcony or the galleries or right here in the main floor, if you need to be freed from that, you're disillusioned from God, you're disappointed with God, or you've been tempting to walk away from God, would you come forward so I can pray with you? I'll pray with you. Anybody have that courage? If you can't do it here, you won't do it anywhere. You can come right here. Anybody else? It's a lot of courage. Anybody else? Come on, church. The rest of the church, you should be praying right now. People are coming. They are, it's a pretty big deal, disappointment with God, disillusionment from God, thinking about giving up. If anybody else, this is your time. You may never, ever have this moment again. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised this moment. And if you're there, I want you to come forward. Anybody else? I appreciate you guys' courage. It's a lot of courage to come forward right here. But I believe God wants to do something with all of us. Yes. We're going to be the church. Is that okay? God's been doing something recently pretty unique in KCC. And what have I said to you? Is that we're going to give time for people to respond. And so as Brant just plays... I'm gonna ask a few of you to come, but I'm gonna pray, and you're gonna pray. So you guys can just keep my mic on, that's fine. Don't worry, I won't sing. And I wanna pray with these individuals, but I want the church to come along. And then those of you there, don't walk away. We're gonna be the church. Start praying right now for these individuals. Is that okay? Can we spend a few minutes just praying, interceding for the situation? I'm gonna start praying. I'm gonna ask the church to help me, and we're gonna pray for them. So Jesus, I pray right now that you would hear our cry for my sister whatever she's experiencing right now, you would grant her what it means to be completely free. Whatever that disillusionment is, whatever that disappointment is, whatever that hurt and pain is, I pray right now you would grant that to her. In Jesus' name, hear my prayer for her. In Jesus' name, give it to her. Free her. In Jesus' name, I thank you for, thank you for little Miosia. Thank you for her life and right now, for the way you made her and created her. She's an amazing young woman of God. And whatever she's feeling, disappointment or disillusionment right now, I pray you'd give her a mind of clarity. You're not a God of confusion. You're a God of clarity and peace. You would grant it to her in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, give it to her. Bring complete healing in her life, oh God. I trust you right now. I pray for my sisters right here. I pray that you would grant them complete healing and restorations. 
We come against every demonic force that wants to kill them and destroy them. I pray all that's being stolen from them would be no longer right here, right now. That will no longer happen in Jesus' name. You will now do what you've always promised, that they will be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And you give them a spirit of courage and not of fear. You give them the spirit of love and self-discipline. And right now, we lift them before you right now. I pray for my sister that whatever her narrative has been and whatever her story has been, that right now you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would meet her in a personal way, right here with a thousand plus people, that you would meet her in a powerful way that she could truly experience what it means to be freed in Jesus right now. Give her that right now in Jesus' name. Go ahead, church, pray in Jesus' name. Grant that to her. I pray for my brothers. I pray you'd grant them exactly what they need that as they make this decision to be what you want them to be, that you would enable them to understand that you've got their lives and you are healing them right now. Come against the enemy in the fiery arrows right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you would give my sister complete restoration and healing, whatever it is she's feeling, whatever it is she's been experiencing. I pray the reality of the Holy Spirit in her life would begin this new work that wouldn't be theory, but it would be reality. It would move from her head to her toe, from her heart to her head, to her emotion, to her soul in every way. Grant her exactly what she needs. Come on, church, keep praying. This is not easy. I need your prayers as we pray. I pray for my brother right now. You know everything about him. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be deliverance right now, that there would no longer be disappointment, there would no longer be disillusionment, but there would be clarity and there would be hope and there would be peace and there would be intimacy with the one who created him right now. I pray you'd set him apart. You would gird your angels around him and enable him to be the man of God you called him to be. In Jesus' name, I pray for him. I pray for my brothers. You know what Don's experienced. You know what he feels. And I pray right now that as he continues to strive towards you, you would grant him what he needs in Jesus' name. You would enable him to be the man of God he's always intended to be, that you would break down the strongholds, release and allow him to be truly free in Jesus Christ right now. May that happen for him supernaturally. We pray for that miracle. Come on, church. Pray for the miracle and the release in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for my sister. I pray that you would grant her the desire of her heart, that she could be everything that she needs to be and how she needs to be. Truly bless her and truly enable her to be the woman of God you called her to be. Bring forth the healing and restoration that she needs in her life right now. Truly here, and I pray for all of them right now. I pray for all of them right now that your Holy Spirit would now descend upon them in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall upon my brothers and my sisters you are the only hope. You are the only reason. You are the only one that can do it. Nobody can do it. No preaching, no manipulation, no emotion. Just your presence, oh God. Grant them authentic healing right here, right now. By the blood of Jesus and the victory of the cross and the resurrection of the Lord who now sits at the Father's right hand side and intercedes for them. Grant them that ability to truly be able to call you Abba, Daddy, Father, this very moment to be what you've always intended from them. From the moment you created them in their mother's womb, that you have a plan for them, plans to prosper them, plans to succeed them, that they truly could be your people. And so today, oh God, hear our cry for them. We don't want to play church. Lord, we want to be the church. We don't want to go through the motions. We want your healing power and deliverance right now. Can you say amen, church? Can you say amen, church? Can you say amen, church? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And lastly, oh God, I pray for those that are online and I pray for those that could not get out of their seats those that are standing at this moment. I don't know their story, but you are a God that understands them right now. Would you, from my gallery on my right to the balcony, to over here and over here and up here in the balcony and over here in this left-hand gallery, God, that you would meet them right where you need to meet them and that their spirit would be renewed and refreshed. You declare to us, if we wait upon you, we will mount up with wings as eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint because the one who goes 
goes before us is the one who goes behind us and the one who has us in his hand. We will never be able to be taken out of it. We know that we know that we know you are that God today. Make it personal, make it real, make it authentic, make it stick, may it last from this day. For now we see but a poor reflection, but one day we will see face to face. But until that day, Holy Spirit, do exactly what you need to do. We trust you, we love you, we celebrate you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, here's what I want you to do, I want you to look up this way. Whether you're online or whether you're in the sanctuary, whether you're standing here, I gotta say something so you understand what's happening. You're like, what just happened? Is this guy a freak and he's wacko and what is he doing? I'm here to tell you today that we are in a moment in the history of our church. And I said to you two weeks ago when the Holy Spirit came down, and I apologized to you and said, we were so afraid allowing you to be the church that we controlled everything. We didn't want any expressions of the gifts of the Spirit. We were afraid of all of that kind of stuff. And I'm here to tell you, the only way we're gonna win the gospel is that the glory and the power and the healing of the Holy Spirit is evident within the church of Jesus Christ. And what that means is that you can have freedom to be exactly who you are with your personality. When we're a multi-ethnic church, some of you will be more demonstrative than the others. Some of you will be okay just to sit in your seat. Others of you will wanna shout. When the spirit of the Lord descends, there is freedom in the house of the Lord. So what you just experienced is authentic and it is real and we will continue to be committed. You bring your, your, your friends, you bring your family. If you want them to experience the living Father, the living God, you bring them here. This is the entryway to the church of Jesus Christ that people can find that deliverance. I don't know about you, but that's why I do what I do. I want to see people changed, transformed and living every day. It's Monday through Monday, every single day. Anybody else with me today, amen? Amen. So with that being said, what we're gonna do is, I want you guys, if you need more counsel, we've got pastors around, please stay here as we worship and one of our pastoral team will come. So pastoral team, please come this way. If you're good, you can go back to your seat. But if you need more counseling uh, and more information, we don't want you to leave without that. And somebody from our team will grab you, nab you so that you aren't just um, left hanging, all right? Here's how I wanna close. The team's gonna lead us in a worship song and then we'll do, do the benediction. But God's done something fresh and new. This is Holy Week. Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's celebrate him. Can we worship Brant?
And as I dismiss this, you'll see at the doors, you'll see a couple cards handed to you, invitation cards. Invite somebody for Resurrection Sunday, amen? I'm gonna ask you to be back here on, sun, on Friday at 7 p.m. Come to Open Table Wednesday to be able to be a part of the body of Christ in Bible study as we have meal together and get to know one another. But also, we just want you to know, engage. Matthew 21 to Matthew 28. Read it every day this week, the last, life, last week of the life of Christ, amen? I'm so glad I was able to worship with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. And all God's people said, amen. <laughs>